0: Good morning. Good morning. Hey, if you're new uh, or you just haven't done this yet, there's a connect card on your seat. Please fill that out. You can give it to us at the end of our time today, either on your way that way or on your way out. We would love to get connected to you. Uh, hey, yesterday was amazing. Who came to Fall Fest? Yes, yes. It was an awesome time. Uh, it was really just a great time to serve our community, to get together as a church as well. Uh, the Lord really seemed to be working, and, and so many people heard the gospel and were blessed uh, by the love of Jesus. Uh, lots of animals were petted and pumpkins taken pictures with and kettle corn eaten. And so it was a win all around. Uh, special thanks to Valerie, who was the point person for that, uh, for City Light. And so she ran that, so we're super thankful for her. Uh, A shout out to our interns who set most of that up. Uh, and who do a ton of labor for what we call treasures in heaven? Okay, so uh, bless them. We're super thankful for them, and for our whole team, uh, and for all of you who volunteered, who brought your trunk or treat, uh, your your set up your 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 truck, your car. Uh, super thankful for you. So I was very encouraged uh, that it was such a team effort. We're all in this together, uh, and super thankful just to be a part of this church with you all. Uh, super thankful for what God is doing, and, and super thankful for the life. Uh, that we've seen there yesterday. And we even had somebody come up to us and say, I've never seen as much life in this place as there is now. Uh, And so we're just really grateful for the grace of God on that. And may we continue to press on and to do the things God is asking us to do, uh, to be a light in this community. And so I'm uh, super thankful for y'all and thankful for what God is doing here. Uh, One of the thoughts that I was um, thinking last night was that how crazy it is to think about Uh, And a crowd like that with hundreds of people reflecting on what is everyone thinking about during that moment, you know? Everyone's having a good time or so, it appears to be so, but what we know is often what it looks like on the outside is not reflective at all of what is going on on the inside. And though there may appear to be things that are going well, on the very inside of us is a mental battle and a struggle, Some of you in a room this large obviously are in the midst of that today, and as we continue our stressed, depressed, and at rest series, which it seems like the Lord has really led us into uh, and is using, today the message is going to be called, The War at Your Front Door, The War at Your Front Door, and it is about the battles of the mind. The battles of the mind that come knocking on the front door of our house like intruders, we open the door ready for our day, and the intrusive thought is there ready to meet us. You wake up ready to have a good day, and you wake up with a cloud over you. You haven't even been awake for five seconds, you know. Now uh, You go throughout your day, and not only did you have to handle the thoughts that come to you in the beginning, but then they come to you throughout the day, thoughts of discouragement, despair, worry and anxiety circumstances life changes things that are happening it's this battle that's constantly going on in your brain and in your mind and in your thought life many of these thoughts are unwelcomed and unasked for you didn't go searching them out Uh, you didn't plan to be thinking about them today but like an intruder an intrusive thought is here anyways you didn't ask for it but it's here Uh, something that you must battle day in and day out. Some of you very much so in the thick of it. Some of you maybe not so now. Praise be to God for that. But you walk into a room like this or you go even about your day yesterday having fun or you're parenting your kids or going to work and you're always thinking things like, I am not good enough. I will never feel any better than this. Things just don't work out for me. My family will never be... Fill in the blank. My life will never be fill in the blank. I will never have fill in the blank. And so it is, and you go on about your day thinking and thinking and thinking, and much of your life is determined by the thoughts that you think. And for me, this has been probably the main fight as of late, is to monitor and control the thoughts that are battling in my head. And maybe just like me Maybe many of you are in the same battles, and you are simply exhausted, and you're so tired of trying to fight the same fight every day. You're so tired of fighting a fight you never even asked to fight. You're so tired of dealing with things that you didn't ask for, things that are unwelcome in your life, and maybe some of you feel pretty hopeless walking into church this morning that it's just simply the way it is. Maybe you feel like giving up. I don't know where you're at this morning, but what I want to do is really encourage you that this is so important and it is worth the fight. How you think is going to determine how you live. And as you probably know, the most important sermons you will ever hear are the ones you preach to yourself, because I get 30 minutes, 45 minutes 50 minutes maybe of your time every week but your mind gets 24 7 and you are constantly preaching and teaching yourself one of the things you ought to begin to consider is am I listening to myself more than I'm talking to myself am I letting my mind tell my mind tell me what to think or am I telling my mind what to think how do you speak to yourself do you preach to yourself how do you handle that Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And like I said, for some of you, this is in the middle of the war. This is a battle that you face currently that is struggling and wearing you out, maybe like me. And some of you, maybe this is something you've dealt with in the past. And for all of you, this is something you will certainly encounter in the future. And so I want all of us to be ready. And so, in light of that, open your Bible to Romans chapter 12. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Let's go, let's be excited for the word of God. I have one simple verse for you this morning. Romans 12, two says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So first of all, as I mentioned, I want to help many of you who are currently struggling with the battle of the mind but I also want so many of you to be preemptive about this. If you are currently doing well by God's grace, I want you to be preemptive about the way that you go about renewing your mind. As a matter of fact, no matter where you are in this current stage of life, we all need to be ready to wage war. And one thing I wish I had done was taken this more seriously or understand it more, understood it more deeply uh, before it got more extremely difficult for me. And so I want all of us to be considering how can I go about the transformation and renewal of my mind to deal with the struggles I am currently facing as also and also a proactive, preemptive war against the battles of the mind that are sure to come. Secondly, especially to those of you who are discouraged about this part of your life, I want to encourage you simply this morning that you can change and you can make progress in dealing with unhealthy thought patterns. You absolutely can. I want you, especially if you feel hopeless and tired, to know that this is not only true in the Scriptures. God has given us the power to renew our minds. This is what we're going to look at today. It's also true scientifically and physically. Uh, With this thing called neuroplasticity, the more we understand the brain, we understand that not only uh, spiritually, obviously, can your brain and the way you think change, but physically, the makeup of your brain can change, and the pathways of your brain can change. And as a matter of fact, the direction of your thoughts can change the structure of your brain. So there is hope, spiritually and physically, for you to make progress day by day, Little by little, to manage and to find great victory in your thought life, because as a man thinks, so he is. This is something that my wife and I are learning awful lot about, especially in regards to being foster parents and learning a lot about trauma and how trauma affects the brain and how the brain can change by trauma and how the brain can be healed by love and by different things that are going on scientifically and by different ways to help the brain. I mean, the things doctors know and are learning is is quite amazing. It's a super common grace from God that we are able to, to learn these things. And so as we navigate these waters and learn about the brain, it's been very helpful for me. Uh, To know, And maybe for some of you, if you come from a background of trauma, if you come from situations that have been fairly extreme or an event that happened in your life or a person that treated you a certain way or things that really brought you down, to encourage you this morning that not only is the Lord able and wants to renew your mind, but through his grace, he wants to change the makeup of your brain and a life lived on the other side of trauma. There is hope. For you, and I want you to be encouraged this morning. Maybe you've lived through those kind of experiences, and for some reason or another, you haven't even considered its relation to your current mental battles and struggles. These things are very important for us, spiritually speaking and physically speaking. Remember, as we said in 1 Kings 19 two weeks ago, God is a whole body God. He cares about your body and your soul and your mind. These things are all integrated together, you cannot just dissect them apart. It's important for us to understand as we speak physically and spiritually about your brain. But here's what I want to share. I have two very simple thoughts for you this morning, particularly from Romans chapter 12, uh, because God does want to renew your mind. I want you to understand that this morning. Not only does God want to renew your mind, but he promises to renew your mind. This is the encouragement to you is that it's not necessarily up to you, even though you will certainly need to be involved in this, to renew your mind. But God promises, based on his word, to renew your mind. So here's point number one. The transformation of your life starts with the renewal of your mind. The transformation of your life starts with the renewal of your mind. The transformation of your life starts with the renewal of your mind. And I wonder even for many of you, you are trying to transform your life, but you haven't started at the starting point with your mind. You are trying to transform your life through certain practices or certain things you are going through or certain ways that you thought might be helpful, but you haven't quite engaged yet in the battle of the mind and the thought life that is going on with you and understanding how to navigate that, especially biblically and spiritually with what God has to say to you. The transformation of your life starts with the renewal of your mind. Look at this. It says, You will be transformed, but be transformed how? By, this is a very important word, by the renewal of your mind. He doesn't just say, go renew your mind. He says, no, no, no. Instead of being conformed to the world in the way the world thinks, you ought to be transformed into a new way of thinking. This transformation is going to happen by the renewal of your mind. And so a transformed life, a changed life, a changed way to feel, a changed way to live, a changed way to create habits in your life, all of this starts with the renewal of your mind. This is the key that starts the car. The transformation of your life doesn't start until you begin to proactively join God in the renewal of your mind. Your mind is a very, very important place. Because when we, trans, when we renew our minds, look at what it says. Look at the structure of this, okay? So be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind. Why? That testing you may discern what is the will of God, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So if I want to be transformed in my life, I must renew my mind— I must position myself for God to work in my life, to renew my mind, because when God renews my mind, I then begin to discern the will of God and live accordingly, and his will is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. And so now with my new mind... I see more clearly the will of God and I begin to take steps in his will and God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. And now I begin to live in that, that kind of will, that kind of way. I begin to live in this kind of rhythm of life to say some of you need to step out of living according to your will or the world's will for you, which is bad, unacceptable, and imperfect, and it might be the very reason you're struggling so much. And by the renewal of your mind, you need to step into God's will, which will lead you on a path that is good, acceptable, and perfect. And maybe many of your current battles is because you are living according to your will, the world's will, or someone else's will, and you have yet even to be able to discern God's will. This is very important because you need a new mind to discern the will of God. You cannot do that on your own. You cannot do that just by reading the right books. You cannot do that just by self-discipline. You need a renewed mind to even see, understand the will of God. What is God like and what does he want for your life? I want you to see how important this is, whether you're in the midst of a mental battle now This is true also just for any sin struggle in general, for you managing how you think about that, what you believe about that, the lies that you are living in. This is true just for well-being and life, and it is most importantly true for your own spiritual growth to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. We need to walk in the will of God because that is perfect, but we cannot do so until we renew our mind. And so how do you do that then? You say, "This this is so important. How do we go about doing that? Well, the first thing I want to show you is a verse, 2 Corinthians 10. He says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. So this is what a little bit of a biblical picture of what it looks like to wage the war of the mind. Now, like we talked about last week from 2 Corinthians 4, we need to learn to fix our eyes on things that are unseen instead of things that are seen. The power that you need is divine. You need to settle with that, to say the power that I need to handle the strongholds in my mind and in my life is divine. It is the essential power that I need to make progress and to gain victory over these things. And therefore, I must rely on divine weapons. This is a supernatural and spiritual battle. It may certainly be a lot of things, but what it most certainly is is a supernatural battle. And so you need divine weapons. These strongholds are often lies against the knowledge and the character of God. The context of 2 Corinthians 10 is a fight for the right doctrines and beliefs about the characters of God. The false thinking comes in and destroys proper thinking about Jesus, who he is and what he wants to do. And this then goes and weaves its way in and begins to destroy lives. And so Paul is saying now, when the lies and the false thinking about God, whether it's just personal to my life or doctrinal about some characteristics, when these things come in, we must take hold of them and destroy them because if we don't destroy them, they will destroy us. This is a proactive thing. It is so important for us to begin to work in the spiritual, supernatural realm for us to engage war in the right place. When I, when I think about this, I don't know how many of you have seen the Lego Batman movie, okay? Is somebody willing to? Okay, okay, okay. there's a few of you. All right. More of you than that, I know, okay? Y'all just scared. So uh, I have kids, so I have an excuse for any movie, you know, like that, at at any time. Okay, so the Lego Batman movie, which actually was somewhat entertaining, you know, for a kid movie, I I could definitely watch that one. Uh, It had some grown-up lines and, you know, ways of thinking, so I appreciate that. Uh, In the Lego Batman movie, when the Joker shows up and he's, he's, you know, they have these fight scenes and whatnot. Uh, There's one scene when, when Batman's there and Joker's there, you know, they're doing the thing. And Joker's running around and, you know, in the Lego movie, they're shooting these things. uh, But you hear Joker makes the noise. He goes pew, 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 pew. As if, like, that was the effect of what the gun, the the sound that the gun would make. He goes, he just picks it up, pew, 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 pew. You know, he's making that noise the whole time. And you're like, well, this is pretty ridiculous, you know. I don't know why. He'd go, pew, 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 pew. He needs a real gun to make a real noise, to make a real effect in the world. But so many of us are just like Joker in that sense. And instead of picking up a real weapon to fight a real war, we're out there using our own brain and our own strength, and all we're doing is pew, 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 pew. You know what I'm saying? You wake up and you try to handle your thought life by yourself. You just that's not going to do anything. You need a divine weapon to battle a divine war. This is very important for you because when you operate just in the flesh, just in the flesh, you're going to be picking up the wrong kind of weapons. They're not going to be real and they're not going to fight the fights that you need them to fight. Now, this is important for us to understand, and I'm not even diving into all of that. Obviously, at many levels, there's a physical component, there's a brain component, and if you need to see a doctor and consider medicine and all these things, that is totally 100% something you should do. And these things, once again, God is a whole God, this is integrated. And so do that. Go seek the kind of psychological, mental, medicinal help that might be helpful to you. That is totally a common grace from God that we have those things available to us. But the thing I find that we neglect the most is the supernatural element that's going on in your life. So yes to all of it. God is a whole body God. Remember, hear the word of God and eat some cake, okay? You gotta do both these things, all right? Remember 1 Kings 19. So listen to the word of God and go get some medicine if that's what you need. But what we, what we seem to often dismiss is the supernatural reality of what's going on. Look what he says here in, in 2 Corinthians, that we take these thoughts captive. You know what I love about this mindset is that we often think our thoughts hold us captive, But God wants to flip the script and say, no, you hold that thought captive. You see what I'm saying? You and I feel like often a victim of our own thoughts. It can certainly feel that way. They come out of nowhere. They're very harmful. They make us sad, anxious, worried, frustrated. But what he wants to do now is to kind of flip the script for you and say, instead of feeling like a victim and a captive of my own thoughts— Which I will be if I'm just pew, 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 you know. But if I pick up a real weapon like the Word of God, through the power of the Word of God, I put my thoughts in captivity. They don't put me in captivity. You see what I'm saying? Now I take that thought, and instead of it putting me in a prison, I put that thought in a prison. And I begin to manage it and find victory over it that way. This is the kind of thing that is available to you through the word of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. But look what he says. What do we do with these thoughts? We take them captive, look at the next phrase, to obey Christ. So ultimately, who is the one who has authority over that thought? It is not my power. I don't put that thought under me. I take that thought and I put it under Christ. And I say, Christ has the power and authority in this space. And I'm going to submit this way of thinking to Jesus. And what I'm really going to do is begin to ask myself, what does Jesus think about my thought? That's the most important thing. It's not what do I think about it or even how does it make me feel? What does Jesus think about my thought? Which I can't know unless I'm in the word of God. God has revealed to us what he thinks. God has revealed to us how he goes about doing things. And so now I begin to say, instead of trying to handle my thoughts with my thoughts, I handle my thoughts by submitting them to the thoughts of Jesus. And I let Jesus deal with them because Jesus has authority in that place. Jesus has power in that place. Jesus has the, the, everything that we need, the divine power to be able to handle those things and to bring victory under them. So I don't put my thoughts in captivity by placing them in the prison of my own making and the jail that I have created with a key that I hold. I put my thoughts in captivity by giving them to Christ. And then he has authority and the jail and the key. And then he begins to manage those things for me because as everything in the world must do, so also my thoughts must do, obey Christ. Because even those who disobey Christ now will eventually submit to his lordship. Everything that is under creation will by necessity obey Christ. Whether we realize that or see it lived out in fruition now. So instead of me controlling my thoughts with my thoughts, I ask myself, what do the thoughts of Jesus have to say about this thought? And then I begin to slowly, and this isn't all at once, you know, this is gonna take practice as I am learning. I give my thoughts over to Christ and I make them obey him, not me. Because as I try to tell my thoughts what to do, I don't have the power Or the clarity needed to handle that. But if I give them to him, they must obey him. And so this is very important for us as we understand this. Here's something that you can consider in your daily life. Every day I have two choices with my thought life. I can either ruminate on my thoughts or I can meditate on God's thoughts. I'm telling you, this is so important. And, and I'm learning this, but I'm also so thankful for all the time I have spent in the word of God because things come to mind in the darkest of moments that I thought about or memorized 10 years ago. And it's the meditation and the time with God even a long time ago that begins to make its way back in because every time you spend meditating on God's thoughts, you are preemptively proacting the attack that is gonna come on your thoughts. See, this is so valuable. In the moment, you can choose every day. You can ruminate on your thoughts or you can meditate on God's thoughts. And to ruminate, as many of you probably know, is just to excessively think about the same thought over and over again. And so the worry that comes into your mind about what could happen to your child, you just think about it and you play it out over and over again. You ruminate on it and it ruins your day. To ruminate is to ruin. This is what happens to you. You're just going in the hamster wheel over and over again. You get really tired, but you're not going anywhere. And so now, so many of us, as the thought comes into our mind or as we deal with our worries, anxieties, fears, the things that make us sad, the things that we wish that we weren't, the things that we wish were the things that we're disappointed about all the possible things you have to think about throughout your day you have two choices and two choices only you can either ruminate and excessively think about your own thoughts or you can meditate on god's thoughts and the more you meditate on god's thoughts the more you're able to submit your thoughts to god's thoughts how in the world are you going to make your thoughts obey christ if you don't know what christ said about your thoughts The lies that are coming into your head about what could happen, what will happen, what it is about you. The lies that are coming into your mind about your life and about who you are and about what your purpose is and about your future and about your past. All these lies that are coming into you. Remember, you have to remember the devil who is your greatest enemy is called the father of lies. The thing he is doing the most in your life is to send lies your way. And if he can get you to believe and especially to ruminate on lies, then he's won the battle for the day. And in our culture and in our world, you have to remember, man, people are like, well, the devil, whatever. Oh, God, you know, and all this supernatural stuff, people are like, eh, yeah, yeah. science, you know. And science obviously affirms supernatural things. So this is an amazing thing. We're not even going to get into all that. But if you just follow what the world is constantly thinking about, you won't even have categories for what the devil might be trying to do to you today. It'll sound superstitious. But he's the father of lies. His favorite thing to do is to lie to you. And if he can get you to believe, to hold on to that thought that I'm not good enough all day, then he's got it and you can ruminate on that, if he could get you to believe a hypothetical situation that you don't know whether it'll happen or not, and to think about that all day, so that you now become obsessed about something that isn't even real, then he's won the day. If he can get you to believe that you are what that person said you were your whole life growing up, instead of what God says you are, then he's won the day. You see what I'm saying? These are the battles that you're facing. And I want you to be aware of them and the supernatural elements and the lies that are coming your way because they're coming incessantly day after day. This is why the Word of God tells us to put on the armor of God, particularly the shield of faith, to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one, which are his lies. Why do you need a shield of faith? Because you can't protect yourself from the lies of the evil one. Only faith can do that. And faith comes by hearing and hearing what? the word of God. You can ruminate on your thoughts today and your day can be ruined. Or you can meditate on God's thoughts and you can find peace. I want you to ask yourself, do I spend more time ruminating on my thoughts or meditating on God's thoughts? And for you to make progress leaving this place is to simply take some intentional steps to spend little and little more time meditating on God's thoughts. And that will proactively, preemptively allow you to wage war on your own thoughts and the lies that come to you about who you are, about whether or not you should be content or discontent, about how much the disappointment of your current life should phase you and affect you, lies about whether God really loves you, whether he really does care about you, whether he sees you or not. All of these lies are coming to you day in and day out. Lies from the culture that say, well, if you just feel really depressed, go just party, go enjoy this or that. Just live it up, you know. All of these things you're beginning to let soak into your life. And then ruminating on your thoughts is going to ruin your day, but meditating on God's thoughts is going to give you peace. So, I must know God's thoughts so I can handle my thoughts. My thoughts. I cannot submit my bad thoughts to myself because I cannot destroy strongholds by the flesh. So I give my thoughts to Jesus because they have to obey him. Now, here's a little phrase I wanna give you because this is helpful, because in that place now, when I give my whole self and my thoughts over to him in my weakness, because I'm saying basically, Lord, I can't do it, nor do I want to do it, and I'm super tired of doing it. And so now what do I do? And what I've I've been learning, and this is a phrase from my wife, so I'll give her the credit, uh, is that when when this happens, Jesus teaches us to depend, not despair. See, so you're, you're tired, you're frustrated, you feel anxious, worried, sad, upset, The past is coming back into your present the future haunts you whatever it may be whatever it may be circumstances situations lack of health things that are going on in your life the way you think about it leads you to despair the feelings that come leads you to despair to wake up with the cloud over you leads you to despair to see a loved one struggling leads you to despair to get so tired of trying to manage all of these things on a daily basis leads you to despair And you have two choices. You can either be led to dependence on God or to despair. And this is what the Lord wants to do. Maybe one of the reasons he is sapping you of your strength is so that he could supply you with his. Maybe the reason that God is sapping you of your strength is so he can supply you with his. So depend, don't despair. As we said last week, there is a reason for your weakness. What if it's God's grace and God's gift to you to make you weak so that you rely more on him? This is very important for us to understand. This is very important for me in my own life lately to think, man, I feel so weak and unable and frustrated. Never hardly felt this weak in my life. I like being strong, as anybody does, you know. much prefer to be strong, but I don't feel strong and I can't pretend to be strong, and so I feel weak and I feel weak and I feel weak and some days are good and some days are bad. And, and just the realization that maybe the Lord wants to sap me of my strength so that he can give me his has been a great grace to my life. There's a reason, Paul says in Second Corinthians 12, that I will boast all the more of my weaknesses because when I am weak, he is strong. The grace of God really is sufficient for me. And so depend, don't despair. Don't let your emptiness and weakness lead you to despair. Let it lead you to dependence. He's your father. Ask him for help. He loves you. And maybe, just maybe, he is sapping you of your strength so he can supply you with his So that's number one. The transformation of your life starts with the renewal of your mind. And the renewal of your mind is a necessity so that you can walk in the will of God. Second thing I want you to understand is this, that the place of your mind will create or eliminate peace in your life. The place of your mind will create or eliminate peace in your life. You guys know this experientially that where you are placed determines your peace, you know? So if you are in a situation of crisis or a country of crisis at the time, but you are in a country of stability, then that situation, your bodily position is going to determine your peace. If you are in a place that feels very dangerous as opposed to in a place that feels very safe, that is going to determine your peace, If your child wakes up at 2 in the morning, and instead of sleeping, you are trying to console them, that bodily position is going to determine your peace. Your place determines your peace. You know this all the time. Even as I sit, I have woods in my backyard and a fire pit, and, you know, there's a couple options. At night, you could either just go wandering through the woods, or you could sit by the fire pit, you know? If I went wandering through the woods at midnight, I probably wouldn't feel a ton of peace. But if I sat by the fire pit, same woods, same darkness, same backyard, I'd I'd probably feel a lot of peace. It's my place that determines my peace. You guys know this experientially. This is when you're like what we call with our kids, your body alarms are going off. Like something's happening to trigger a lack of peace. And a lot of times it's based off your position. Your place determines your peace. Now this is true with your body and this is also true with your mind. Now, this is going to be so helpful for you because you, by the power of God, can begin to put your mind in the right place. And then the peace that comes from God will proactively guard and support you. Let me show you how the scriptures make this connection. Romans 8, 5 through 6 says this. Those who live according to their flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit... Set their minds on things of the Spirit. Get this. For to set the mind or to place the mind on the flesh is death, but to set or to place the mind on the Spirit is, read it with me, life and peace. The place of your mind determines the peace of your life. And where you place your mind will either create or eliminate peace. Look in Isaiah 26.3, get this. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed or placed on you because he trusts in you. So God's response to you placing your thoughts on him is to return peace to you. I place my mind on the character of God and what comes to me in return is the peace of God. I place my mind on the love of God, and what comes to me in return is the love of God. I place my mind on the joy of God. What comes to me in return is the joy of God. I place my mind on these things, and sometimes this experience is, is higher or lower, and sometimes it works better than others, it feels like, you know. But I place my mind on there. I proactively meditate on God's thoughts, and he sends the peace of God my way which I may not necessarily feel in the moment, but by faith I believe is happening. Philippians 4, get this, 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent or worthy of praise, think about these things. Man, what an amazing characteristic and quality of like, how do I think? Okay, is it true? No, then don't think about it. Is it honorable? No, don't think about it. Is it just? No, don't think about it. Is it pure? No, don't think about it. Is it lovely? Then don't think about it. Is it commendable? Then don't think about it. If it's not. If it's not excellent, don't think about it. If it's not worthy of praise, don't think about it. And you begin to do this with your mind. You say, okay, if this is true, I'm gonna place my mind on that. But if this is a lie, I am not setting my mind there. Look what happens when you do this. What you have learned, received and heard, seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Look at this. I mean, this is so intentional from the Lord to show us, Romans eight, set your mind on the spirit and return to you life and peace. Place your mind there and the peace of God will come to you. Isaiah 26, if you place your mind on me, I will keep you in perfect peace. Philippians four, if you think about these things that are lovely and true and beautiful, then the God of peace will be with you. The scriptures are making this connection for us that the place of our mind determines the peace of our life. The place of your mind. So just ask yourself, where am I setting down my mind? You know, and to ruminate on a lie or an intrusive thought in your life that is not wonderful, lovely, commendable, worthy of praise, is to place your mind on something unstable. And that's why you feel like this all day. You know, because that's where your mind is. And if your mind is on something unstable, your whole body and spiritually and physically will lack peace. Where are you placing your mind? Where are you putting it? Where are you leaving it? Where are you letting it stay? Colossians 3, one through two says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set or place your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And even scientific research will show us that our everyday behaviors affect the overall condition of our brain. And so if we repeat the right behaviors, we will rebuild the right brain structure. And if this is true physically, how much more so is this true spiritually for us to be holistic people to begin to repeat the pattern every day of setting my mind on things that are above and then letting that create some wind and some flow in my life because maybe this one day I didn't feel it and maybe the next day I didn't feel the. Benefits, but I've been setting my mind and placing it on the things of God day in and day out by faith. And little by little by little, all of a sudden, two weeks later, I recognize I've made some progress. Some of you give up way too soon. You said, I did what the pastor told me this morning, and I didn't experience anything this afternoon. And so this is stupid. Stupid. I thought if I placed my mind on the things of the Lord, I read my Bible this morning, then I would have the peace of God today in an overwhelming way. And you say, well, that's a lie. And you know what? The lie to you is that that's a lie. And because it didn't work like you wanted it to today, it's not worth doing anymore. How many of you, and have I counted, I do this, you give up on consistent reading of the Bible because you don't feel anything when you read it that morning, You stopped praying, not because your prayers weren't getting answered, but because it just felt like you just didn't feel anything. And I just want to encourage you today, and this is what I've been at, you set the practice in motion by faith, and I don't let my feelings determine my practices. And so when God says to place your mind on me, I've even been telling people lately, you know, the hope of heaven is usually the thing that gets me through hard times to say, this life is short and heaven is long. And lately it just hasn't been doing it for me. You know, it's like, it hasn't given me the same strength it always gives me to say, okay, just push through, man. Life is short. It can be hard. That's fine. Heaven's very long and it's wonderful. So just get over it. And normally that gets me through a lot, but lately it hasn't done the same thing, at least feeling wise, to me. But I have to, by faith, continue to remind myself of the things of heaven. I have to keep placing my mind on the Lord and what it's going to be like to be with Him. I have to continue to consider millions and billions of years with the Lord and treasures in heaven as the reward for a few troubles on earth. I have to keep placing my mind there day in and day out. And this is where you get exhausted because you. feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm still not experiencing the benefits of that like I would like to. But once again, you must, as a Christian, fix your eyes on things you cannot see and cannot feel. And by faith in the Word of God, you do what the Word of God says to do. And you would be surprised at the person you become before you even realize that you have become that person. How many of you, when you really actually started to be consistent with the Lord, didn't recognize the changes in your life day by day, but a couple years later you sat and you thought to yourself, wow, that thing that used to tempt me so much, I haven't even thought about it in six months. And you never even thought about the fact that you hadn't thought about it yet, you know? You hadn't made progress, but you hadn't noticed. This is what I'm encouraging you with today, is that this battle is going to wage in your life. And sometimes you will not feel the progress you are making, but you can either trust in your thoughts and feelings or God's thoughts. Right? I can ruminate on my thoughts. This isn't working. I don't feel any better. Why do it anymore? And I can let the lies come in. Yeah, that's not working. That's so pointless. And I can do that. Or I can meditate on God's thoughts. God is not a liar. He is not a man that he should change his mind. God said if I place my mind on him, he will keep me in perfect peace. So I will place my mind on him. And maybe, just maybe, my definition of perfect peace is the thing that's wrong. And maybe, just maybe, God's delivering that to me, but it doesn't feel like I thought it would. And maybe, just maybe, the kind of peace that he's delivering to me is the very thing that's gonna keep me from making a bad decision. It's the very thing that's gonna keep me from running away from this responsibility. It's the very thing, even though it doesn't feel like a very peaceful day, it's the kind of peace that God's giving to stabilize my life and my soul. Maybe, just maybe, what God is responding to you as you spend time with him isn't just what you thought, but it's exactly what you need. Please, 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 you have to not ruminate on your thoughts, but meditate on God's thoughts. The place of your mind will create or eliminate peace from your life. Now, finally, as we close, 1 Peter 1.13 says this, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded... Preparing your minds for action. So some of you say, I'm in a good place now. Well, I'm gonna heed you this. Prepare your mind for action. Do not be a passive participant in the thoughts of your brain, but be a proactive placer of the thoughts of your brain. Create good habits and rhythms now so when the battle wages more strongly, you're ready. Prepare your minds for action. Get this, being sober-minded, set Or place your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen to me, the greatest place to set or to place your mind is on the hope that you will have and have in Christ. Think about the life of Jesus Christ that was perfect, a life that you can never live, and a life that he happily gives you so that you can stand perfect before God, so that when God comes or that when you come to him, he doesn't see your messy life and your messy thoughts. He sees Jesus' perfect life, and he says, welcome, my child. Place your mind on the death of Christ who paid for literally all of your sins in one moment. He took all of your problems and sins and struggles, your lack of faith, your giving into temptation, your unbelief. He took all of that upon himself. He counted it as his own. He says, your sins have become mine and I'm going to take God's wrath upon them so that you can be set free. So that when God comes, you get grace instead of judgment. Set your mind in that place. Set your mind on the resurrection of Jesus and the empty tomb to know that even even if I experience death in Christ, there is a resurrection. The very worst thing that can happen to me is that I get to experience heaven forever with him. Place your mind there. Place your mind on the fact that God has promised to come again and make all things right and to build and to grant us to bring a, what he calls new Jerusalem down to earth and to create a world where there is no crying, no struggle, no pain, no death, no grief, that he will happily grant you to live in through faith in his son Jesus. Place your mind on these things. Place your mind on these things. Look, you can... Either place your mind on these things, or you can be like my little two-year-old daughter, Katie, who has this new fear of cracks in the ground or grates. So whenever she, like, she even did this the other day in the hallway, it started with grates in the ground, you know, like when there's like a thing, I don't even know, whatever, okay? It just, you know, when there's those little grates in the ground, and she would, like, walk around it, you know? Or she would just stand there and say, daddy, daddy, daddy. You know, like she couldn't walk over the grate, even though it would obviously hold her up. And then this fear took it to another level when she couldn't even face cracks in the ground. As if by some crazy way, she's going to step onto that crack, it's going to open up, and she's going to fall into an abyss forever. This is the type of fear. She's paralyzed. She gets down there, and I remember just the other day, she was standing out there, and she was standing at the door, and she was like, daddy, daddy, daddy. I was like, what? said daddy, daddy. daddy. I'm like, I don't. Is there a bug on the ground? Like, daddy, daddy, daddy. No, she's like, she's like, carry me. I'm like, oh yes, sweetie, of course, forever, forever. I'll carry you. Never get married, you know. I'll carry you forever. And she's there. Daddy, daddy, carry me. And she's just like this. Like she's so hesitant and she's so worried and she can't even take a step because she is believing the lie that something so small and insignificant as a crack could actually devour her. But you know what makes her happy? Is instead of looking at that crack and believing lies about what it could do to her, she looks to her dad. And she says, carry me. What do I do? You could do it yourself. <laughs> you know? You're two and a half. You've been walking for a year now. You've walked over a million cracks already. You dummy you know? Remember when I parted the Red Sea? Remember when you walked through this struggle? Remember when? Remember when? That's what we think. I would Remember when? How come you don't get it yet? You've walked over a million cracks. Why does this crack scare you? That's not what I do. What do I do? As happy as could be, without a second thought, I'll run over there, pick her up, and I'll, like, step on the cracks, you know, <laughs> and be like, Daddy's got you. ain't no crack going to take my daughter, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I get those cracks. <laughs> and I take her to where she needs to go. Now, what, what changed in her life was not her fear of the cracks, but where she placed her mind. And so today I encourage you, Stop setting your sights and your mind on the fears and anxieties and on believing the lies that this small thing in your life will devour you and start looking to Christ. Place your mind on your heavenly father and all you have to say is carry me. And he, because he loves you, will happily, like the prodigal son, come running to you. And he will carry you to where you need to go. And he will step on those cracks. And he will say, every situation, circumstance in your life must ultimately obey me. So where are you placing your Mm -hmm. mind, my friends? Is it on the hope of Christ? And looking to your heavenly father, are you placing your mind on the cracks and the struggles of your life? And for those who are here and not in Christ, God is offering you today through belief and trust in him the opportunity for him to carry you. Not just today, but all the way through to eternity. Believe and trust in him this morning. Let me pray for us. Let's respond to God. Heavenly father, we love you we thank you so much, Lord, for your love for us. We thank you so much that you carry us. Lord, we ought to be proactive and we ought to put the work in, but we thank you that it's not up to our effort or how good we can be at this, but your mercy and your grace. I pray, Lord, just for deliverance for so many from the mental and struggles, battles and struggles that they're facing. I pray for a clear mind. I pray that you would take away the fog. I pray that the peace of God would guard their hearts and their minds. I pray, Lord, that by the grace of God, that we would be transformed by the renewal of our mind. We thank you for the love and the hope that we have in Christ. And today, Lord, in this moment, we place our attention on that. May you encourage your people today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.